What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Hunt and Hill. Hunt Palmer. Jeremy Hill. Holding down the middle of the day. Live from the Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge Studios. It's Hunt and Hill. Now on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge. Welcome in, Hunting Hill on a Thursday for the Mercedes-Benz of Baton Rouge studio downtown in the capital city. I am Hunt. Hunt Palmer, he is Hill. Jeremy Hill, Casey Gaines, and Taylor Sharp back there on the ones and twos. Mr. Hill, how we doing? I'm doing great. I don't know if Tiger can say the same thing. Not looking too good for my boy right now. He's not playing well. <laughs> He's got off to a tough start on the first hole, made a double bogey because his ball was in a divot, hit it in the burn on the first hole, and really hadn't picked up any steam since. He is five over par through eight holes. Did make a birdie on the last he was six over through seven. We'll keep you updated on scores from St. Andrews as they continue to progress this afternoon. A lot of football today. We are headed that direction, so we are going to talk a lot of college football today. There's some realignment talk we want to get to in the second hour. Um, good story on Matt McMahon, actually, on the basketball side in the second hour as well. But we're going to go through every quarterback competition or quarterback situation in the SEC in the second and third segments of this hour i think for a lot of people you're just now kind of getting out of baseball going on summer vacation kind of enjoying your summer now it's time to kind of ease back into football we'll be six feet into football next week when we get to sec media days but kind of a primer on quarterbacks uh throughout this hour but we start with an announcement from lsu today that uh, number seven will be awarded to Kayshawn butte this year the junior wide receiver We'll take over the number that Tyron Matthew wore, that Leonard Fournette wore, pass it on to DJ Chart, Grant Delpit wore it on the national championship team, and Derek Stingley took that mantle from them. And next will be Kayshawn Butte, the All-American wide receiver. Um, let's talk about Kayshawn first before we get to the actual passing of the number, which is done with 18 and 7 around here. But for Kayshawn specifically, uh, this make a lot of sense? Yeah, I think so. I think anytime uh, a projected top 10 pick, best player yeah. on the team, and uh, just watching just how he goes into that building, how he plays week in and week out, I think he's well-deserving uh, of the number seven. I think going into this year, uh, I think Kayshawn wants to prove a lot to people that he's that guy that we think he is down here in Baton Rouge. Um, he's a talent that we know he can be. And uh, to get through a full season healthy, I think that's going to be very, very important for Kayshawn because I, I think if he does, he's got to put up you know world-class numbers in this offense. They're going to find a way to get him the ball and – um, to see him get a water that seven, I have no quarrels with that. I think he's well-deserving. Again, we'll talk about seven and 18 here in a second. But as far as Kayshawn goes, um, I like this because he put out an Instagram post talking about the tradition and how much it means and what it means to be a leader off the field as well as on it and commitment and all these words that he used that, to me, you know, signal that he's locked in. And... He's never given the indication that he's not, but that's because he's very quiet. He was quiet on the recruiting front. He was quiet when he became a star as a freshman. He was quiet last year, and then there were rumors he was getting into the transfer portal, and that didn't happen, but he never said anything specifically about you know wanting to get out or any issues he was having. It's just he's quiet, and that allows things to swirl. And we now live in a day and age in college football where 
there is an elite 20 players in the country who really don't have to care that much about their last year in college. Mm-hmm. We've seen that because Jamar Chase proved it and Micah Parsons proved it. And to a lesser extent, Christian McCaffrey proved it and Leonard Fournette proved it. And there is a, a, a plateau you can reach where you can kind of check out and the NFL not going to care. Mm-hmm. You're talented. Let's go. And Kayshawn's in that group. Mm-hmm. And he has every option to kind of say, eh, yeah, I'm just going to go get rich. This is not kind of for me. And this post that he made today gives the appearance that he's locked in and ready to go, which is a good sign. No, it's huge. And I think anytime, like you said, you've seen that blueprint set already in college football that you're not you're not going to get the gavel slammed on you uh, if you decide not to play. And I think for Kayshawn, that opportunity is right there at his feet. Uh, anytime you look at any of these draft boards, any of these mock drafts, uh, he's the number one receiver on just about all of them. So um, in a passing league like the NFL – um, you know, number one elite receivers. They don't fall off trees. So Kayshawn's uh, put himself in a great position um, just with a, you know, a back end of a freshman year and a start to a, a sophomore campaign. Uh, he's already done enough, I think, in the eyes of the NFL to show that uh, he can be a prospect that can play extremely well at the next level. So to see him, you know, uh, come back to Baton Rouge and do everything he can in his power to get back healthy and help this team and be the leader on and off the field, um, I, I think it bodes well for everyone. And it's great to see a guy like Kayshawn, you know, getting rewarded with that seven. What do you think of seven and eighteen? Yeah, I love it. I, I think you know, anytime you have a tradition, um, you know, I really can't point to any other schools that have you know, you know, world renowned numbers, uh, or you know, I would say seven for sure, uh, and players that play at that level and pass that tradition down. I can't think of any more. So yeah, it's, Texas A and M's got the twelfth man. They walk on that wears number twelve and plays on the kickoff team. But yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I can't really point to any more. So for LSU to have that claim to fame and, and look at the the sevens that have come through this program. You're talking NFL caliber guys through and through. So uh, for Kayshawn to be rewarded with that, I, I think I love the idea of having those that tradition. Look, I don't care about it. Um, there are a lot of traditions that I, I love around here. Um, I love the Golden Band from Tigerland, and I love Saturday Night in Death Valley, and I love the the uniforms that are classic and wearing white at home. And there's a lot that I that I cling to as an LSU alum and an LSU supporter. Um, I, I don't really necessarily care about 18 or 7. What I will say is if – it is a dangling carrot, and if the guys take it really seriously, and if it's a big deal for Lloyd Cushenberry to get 18, or name whoever's worn it, I just pulled that one out. Just, But if if that means a lot, and it creates a leadership role in the team, that there's sort of an official nature to it because of the number that you're wearing, and it allows the guys to, to, to group and galvanize around it, then I'm all for it. I, I'm, I'm certainly not opposed to it. I don't think it's yeah. stupid. Yeah. Um, I just, it, it's not really of a concern to me with the tradition. But <laughs> yeah. if there's something in that locker room or something that it, when that uniform is awarded, whether it's 18 or 7, that makes the person who get it say, hey, you know, I got to come every single day and, and represent the guys who came before me, then I think it's a good thing. Yeah, and I think that's exactly why they started that tradition, especially with 18, uh, being guys who have been in this program that do things the right way. Um, I remember every time, uh, that that situation or that meeting happened, uh, it's a big deal, man. Uh, being rewarded with that and looking at all the guys that's come through this program and you know all the legends, all the gr- Tiger greats, the Hester's of the world, all the players that had that that number, um, it, it's a big responsibility. And so for you to you know have your teammates all looking up to you, all you know every time you walk in the building, every time you walk on campus, every time you walk in Tiger Stadium to hold that standard, um, I think it's huge. And I think for recruiting and for the team and for everything, uh, I really can't point out too many negatives in it. So I love the fact that. You know, they're continuing to do this because I, I think for a lot of guys, 
um, it, it's a huge thing to be rewarded that. And you can see on social media, uh, everyone is really, really happy to see Kayshawn get that seven. Yeah, and look, there's there's nobody more deserving on that roster in terms of being a playmaker um, than, than Kayshawn Butte. And he's going to have to be a massive piece to this offense. I, I trust Jack Besh. I think Malik Neighbors is a, a potential star. I think that you could look at Brian Thomas and, and, and Chris Hilton and certainly John Emery or Noah Kane, any of these guys that, that have the ability to, to be really productive players. But I, I don't see anybody on that list I rattled off that has certainly not the credentials and I don't think the upside that Kayshawn has. We've seen it. I mean, the guy is a freshman set the SEC single-game um, yardage record. He's He is that good. Do you put him in the same breath as, as Chase and Jefferson and Beckham and Landry and – is he that to you? I would put him in the same conversation. I was saying better. Um, that's a, that's a mouthful to say, but I, he's definitely in the conversation. Um, I think you look at top, you know, LSU receivers. I think those guys had the benefit of being able to get through the season healthy. So those numbers are gonna, you know, you know, be a lot better than what Kayshawn was able to put up uh, last year. But if you project out what Kayshawn would have put up over twelve games last season, uh, it would have been incredible, and that would have put him right smack dab in the conversation with all those guys. But as far as a talent. Um, I, I think he's right there with those guys. He's just so similar to me to Jamar. They're they're fairly unassuming as wide receivers go. They're as as general humans go, they're big, but mm-hmm. as as wide receivers go, they're not. Uh, but they're just so sudden. They've got speed that kind of sneaks up on you. They catch everything. Um, and both guys pretty quiet, just not real um, in your face all the time, but massively productive. And I think Kayshawn is is one year away from being a. Uh, a first round pick and hopefully a top 10, 15 pick and you know, on his way. But, you know, you've got to, now this discussion didn't ever have to happen uh, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, 20 years ago. Mm-hmm. Is this person going to finish the season? Um, but now, you know, it's something that you have to, to talk about. And again, I want to reiterate and be very clear. Kayshawn has given no indication ever that he was going to opt out after two games or after the regular season. There's That's never been even raised it for a second. But it's such a small club of people that can even have that discussion reasonably, and he falls in it. So for him to come out and make that post today and, and talk about the number seven the way that he did, I think is a, a really, really positive thing. And hopefully he becomes a leader on this team and certainly has to be as productive a player as anybody out there. Fellas, he's going to be any good this year on the field. So Kayshawn Butte will wear number seven, which is now kind of a playmaker number here in Baton Rouge, derived from uh, 18, which is more of a, I guess, leadership role and something that's elected by the previous 18s and the coaching staff. So Brian Kelly, as he comes in, you wonder what traditions stay, what traditions go. You see Kayshawn Butte and, and the transfer of the number seven sticking around. Um, Keaton says, huh, Chase is 6'1", 210, and all muscle. He's definitely a big dude. I'm just talking about the fact that a lot of wide receivers are 6'3", 225, 6'5". I mean, he's not big compared to Julio Jones or Calvin Johnson or yeah. you know, some of these – Terrell Owens or some of these guys. I said he's big as a person. He's a lot bigger than me, uh, but he's he's not uh, – he's just they're, – they're not these freakishly long wide receivers that, that you know, can go up at you know, 20-foot catch radius. Um, he's just a, a really, really solid, polished route runner and productive receiver. So – Keishawn Butte will wear number seven. All right, let's go to uh, to break. When we come back, we're going to start getting into some football. We're going to go through every single quarterback situation in the SEC and kind of give our thoughts on it. If you're kind of thinking, let's wade back into football and kind of get a feel for where everybody is as a program, this is a spot for you. It's Hunt and Hill. Hunt Palmer and Jeremy Hill. It's Hunt and Hill. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Turnkey tailgating. Never heard of it? Well, Revelry Sports is here to help you with it. Revelry is your one-stop shop for turnkey tailgating. They've got so many great amenities. They make your day so enjoyable. All you've got to do is show up and enjoy the party and then go to the game. They handle setup. They handle cleanup. Cleanup, they've got premium packages, and they've got your standard package, which Jeremy will tell you about. Yeah, so I'm going to tell you guys about Reverie's full-service turnkey tailgating with their standard package, and it starts out with 25 to 30 people in capacity, a 10 by 20 high-peak tent. They have three coolers with all-day ice service. They do electricity hookups, all-day concierge, bellhop service, all-day trash service, and they also do a post-tailgate cleanup. And these tailgates are all together right outside of Patrick F. Taylor Hall. They've got room between them, but it's all in kind of a little village area, about three blocks from Tiger Stadium, and it kind of turns into a block party over there. Sometimes for the bigger games, they have live music, um, and it just kind of becomes a big community of tailgaters there with Revelry. Again, you can do as little or as much as you want. If you want to do the cooking, you want to pour the cocktails, you want to do everything, you can do that. You just want to show up, have everything set up for you, have them cater in food, have the TV set up, ready to roll. Revelry can do all of that for you. To find out what you need to do to get a tailgate for the season or for just one game, go to revelryteam.com. Hunt and Hill with Hunt Palmer and Jeremy Hill. All right, Jeremy, you ready to start talking football? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we're right here. We're right here, right right around the corner. We are going to start talking some football. Let's start with quarterbacks. I uh, I spent a lot of time, not a lot of time, actually, because we had a lot of stuff going on, but I I had some pool time over the weekend on vacation, Uh, had some playing time, and did some some reading up on kind of big picture stuff uh, and a little bit of personnel on teams and thought, we're going to start, we might as well start with quarterbacks. So over the next two segments, over the next 30 minutes, we're going to talk about every quarterback situation in the Southeastern Conference. Some of the names you will recognize. Some of the names are a little bit new, um, but we'll kind of paint the picture. And we're going to start in this segment with the SEC West. Um, I kind of put it on the on the, on the the sheet here pre-show, just kind of geographically from West to East as it went. But um, that's as good a way as any to do it as opposed to just kind of ranking them. So we'll start over in College Station, the furthest West team, where Max Johnson is now very much in that race with Haynes King. We know that Haynes King uh, turned the ball over four times in their first game and then got hurt in their second game, and we never saw him again. They were certainly high on him in College Station, but he is uh, on the outside. Well, he is now back in the mix, but the word from College Station is that Max Johnson is probably in the lead after the spring. I personally have been a little bit pro, more pro-Max Johnson than I think most people um, in Baton Rouge. 
he he missed two throws against Bama last year, and they hurt. I mean that that's that is true. They were difficult throws because he was under pressure, but he did miss two throws, and LSU could have won that ball game. But I think for the majority of his year and a half in Baton Rouge, he was pretty pretty damn good in some really adverse circumstances. Uh, do I think he's going to win the Heisman Trophy? I do not. Do I think he's <laughs> going to be the first team All League quarterback? I do not. Do I think he can? function Texas A&M's offense with a really good running game and a good defense I do I like Max Johnson to win that job over Hanks King and Connor Wegman the the all-star five-star freshman your thoughts on that kind of situation as a whole for Jimbo yeah I mean it's not ideal Uh, I think especially with the with the pressure that's going to be on A&M this season you get that type of recruit class people are going to want you know results and they're going to want them fast and so uh, I just don't know if any of those quarterbacks can go lead their teams to win the SEC West, and I think that's what that's what's next for Texas A&M. If y'all go nine and three, it's it's just not going to move the needle. You got they're going to have to start winning something real soon here. With all the money being pumped in that program and all the preseason rankings they're getting and all these recruiting classes they're getting, and I think it starts with the quarterback. And so with Haynes King, I, I think we talked about last year. We watched him, wasn't blown away by him at all. Um, and then obviously we kind of seen Max again. I know you're a little higher on Max, but to me, um, Max, he's, you know, he's, I would say average. I'm not going to say good or great or an elite quarterback. So um, you're trying to go win the SEC West with an, with an average a quarterback, maybe above average quarterback. And then there's no telling what the freshman's going to do. So uh, for Jimbo, I think he's had a lot better, you know, quarterback situations. When we seen him win a national championship, he had the Heisman winner in that room. I don't think that guy's in that room. I don't think that guy's remotely close to being in that room. So, We'll see what Jimbo can do, but I just don't love that quarterback room. Max last year completed 60% of his passes. Uh, he threw for 2,800 yards, 27 touchdowns, six picks. Um, yeah, I mean, at times he was a little inaccurate, but for the most part, with a receiving core of a lot of freshmen after Kayshawn went down, you know, and, you know, Jare Jenkins and, and, uh, and John Trey Kirkland, I, I thought he was pretty good. So I think he's going to be their quarterback. I think he's going to be fine. That's that's what I, I think he's going to be just fine there. Uh, next one up is KJ Jefferson. Look, I talked all of August and September about how I thought Arkansas had a bad quarterback situation. And unequivocally, when you go back and look at what KJ Jefferson did last year, he was rock solid. I mean, at times, excellent. You look at some of the games he played against Bama um, when Arkansas you know, really played him pretty close on the road. He was 22 out of 30 for 326 yards. He threw for three touchdowns, no picks. He also had, um, he ran for 22 yards, but there were sacks involved in that. But he had, you know, a couple of of nice runs in that game. That's against Alabama. Uh, I thought he was really good against Ole Miss. That defense wasn't great, but again, he was 25 of 35 for 326. He also ran 20 times for 85 yards. Uh, Against LSU, 18 out of 25. Uh, one touchdown, no picks, ran it for 41 yards. Um, he was not turnover prone at all. He only had four picks the entire year, and two of those were in the first two weeks. Um, and then he threw one in the bowl game. Uh, he 21 touchdowns, four picks on the season, is very capable of running the ball. Now, no trailing Burks, and we'll get to all that <laughs> down the road. But yeah. he's he's good. I, I mean, I, I, I was ragging him because I, I watched him play as a freshman in some spots, even in Baton Rouge, and I went, this is – but he was a freshman. He grew up as a sophomore. He's really good. Yeah, I think uh, to me, I think we talked about it last season going into the season. We weren't really high on KJ at all. We thought, you know, that'd be an ideal matchup for a lot of defenses in the SEC. And uh, honestly, he played out of his mind last year. I didn't think KJ could get to that level 
of being an SEC quarterback, but you know, watching him take care of the football, I think that was the biggest thing that I saw from KJ last year. Not turning it over, not giving up strip sacks, not throwing interceptions, and you know, allowing your team to be in these football games. And you saw Arkansas have a lot more success than a lot of people had them pegged out to be, and that's uh, you know through KJ playing at the level that he was. And so, uh, someone would ask me last season, uh, you know, when KJ's last year at Arkansas, he'll be the second best quarterback in the SEC. I probably would have laughed in their face, but. You know, you look at a lot of the talking heads, that's where they, exactly where they have him. And so um, for, for KJ, he's definitely a guy who I think can have a big season. Um, I know missing Burks is probably going to hurt him, but if he's not going to turn the ball over, um, he, he's got to put himself in position to have a big year. We go now to the Mississippi schools. We'll start with Will Rogers, who set every record you can set at uh, Mississippi State uh, last season. He set 25 school records after breaking most of the freshman records uh, in the COVID-shortened season when he took over late. Um he was really good at taking care of the football. He threw for a ton of yards. He completed 70% of his throws. He was the first quarterback since Joe Burrow um, to complete 70% of his throws, throw for 4,500 yards and 35 touchdowns in a season. Um, he's, he's productive in that offense. Mm -hmm. There are times where that offense bogs down, but he seems to understand that the, the three-yard completion is just fine. The swing pass is just fine. Uh, the check down to the running back for two yards is just fine. And then they hope that they can lull you to sleep and get it cooking. Look, I don't think he's going to be a, a perennial pro bowler at the next level, but Mike Leach has made these undersized, average-arm guys who can see the field and understand his concepts, and Rodgers fits that bill and I think is a really good fit for Mississippi State, and I think they're going to win a couple league games because they've got a guy piloting that offense that understands it. Yeah, I think Will, and, uh, and I think any uh, quarterback in that system, you're going to be asked to do a lot of things, and that's throw the football probably 70 to 80 times. And we saw Costello, when he was putting that to that opportunity, yeah, he had a big one in the first game, but that's really, really hard to do you know, for you know, 11 games, 12 games, and going through an SEC slate. And so for Will, I think he did a phenomenal job of that last year. Now, I don't know how much it uh, affected them winning football games, which to me what it's all about. And so – uh, to me, that's the next step for him. I think when you're in that offense, you're dinking and dunking and getting the ball out quick. Um, you got to go win those games. And so I, I think that avenue probably isn't there for Mississippi State. I just don't think that roster's talented enough. I think Rodgers is probably going to put up another big year full of stats. But how is that going to affect winning? I, I don't think it's going to affect winning that much. Well, people, myself, I probably couldn't have told you this. I'm looking back on it. Again, I kind of flick football off once things move on, and then I kind of crank it back up this time of year. But last year, Mississippi State, one at Auburn, they beat Kentucky, they beat A&M on the road, they beat NC State. I mean, they had some nice wins. They had some ugly losses in some team, some games that looked pretty brutal. I mean, you don't really love losing, beating Mississippi State at the gun. Um, that's not great. You don't like losing to Memphis. That's not great. But they they had some neat, decent wins. And I, I just Rogers functions that offense decently enough. We'll go to Oxford now. Uh, Jackson Dart played in six games last year for SC. He threw six touchdowns and five picks. He looked fine. Luke Altmeyer came into the Sugar Bowl when Matt Corral went down. That looked awful. Uh, you know, obviously that's was not his spot. They weren't planning on him playing in that game, but he looked really overmatched in that game. Um, I think Dart is the guy. I think he has a cool name. I think he was a snazzy recruit. Uh, I think he's got a great coach. Um, I don't know that I feel like that he's going to come close to matching what Matt Corral did last year. That's that's one of those deals that's really hard to replace. No, it is. And I think their playing styles are totally different. When Matt was at his peak, 
Uh, he was using his legs, and he was running around, making plays, you know, using the RPOs, getting the ball to his weapons. And his weapons weren't just filled with, you know, first-round all-pro receivers. He's out there throwing the guys, and he's, you know, making plays. So for Jackson, uh, did not have a great spring game. He did not look good at all in that spring game. But I think he will be the starting quarterback for Ole Miss. I, I trust Lane to get his guys going and put those guys in position to have have success in that offense. And so – I think they're in another similar situation in Mississippi State, though. I think last year was probably, you know, an, an anomaly uh, for what they accomplished. I, I don't see them, you know, going to, uh, winning 10 games again this season. And so, yeah, I think Jackson, he'll be okay. But I just don't think it's going to move the needle enough for them, that, for them to have the same success as they did last season. Um, look, Lane Kiffin made Blake Sims into a super productive quarterback. Now, the pieces around Blake Sims were very good. Mm-hmm. I get it. It's a little different. But he's going to figure something out. They'll score points. I don't have any doubt about that. We'll go to the state of Alabama now. Um, we'll start with Auburn. I think Auburn's going to get picked last in the SEC West next week. Um, it'll be between Auburn, LSU, and Mississippi State. And I think Auburn will be picked last. And I think it probably starts because they got two guys battling for the quarterback job, and neither one of them is a is even an average SEC quarterback. You got Zach Calzada, who somehow – channeled his inner Steven Garcia and beat Alabama on some planet last year, but the rest of the season was not good. Uh, see Tiger Stadium in November. Um, and then you've got, you know, you've got TJ Finley, who I just don't think is an SEC quarterback. I, I just don't. Yeah, that's probably one of the more, you know, tricky situations that there are, especially, you know, with, with Auburn always, you know, they always want to beat Bam. They always want to be trying to make a run and, it just makes it a very tough scene for their coaches to have sustained success there because if you don't have Cam Newton in there, it's going to be very difficult to win consistently. So I think this is not a, a really – this is probably one of the more worst quarterback rooms in the SEC when you look at both of these guys. I remember my first time laying my eyes on Calzada and he was just throwing the ball into the dirt time and time again. And uh, we've seen TJ. Uh, he's made some big throws. He does have a big time one, but doing it consistently enough to win football games, I just haven't seen that from either one of those guys. So I think that puts Auburn in a world of trouble where it's going to be very difficult to win in the SEC week in and week out, and it's not going to be looking good. I think that coaching situation is probably going to be changed after this season. That would be a big move. Um, you know, it's, I'm certainly not ruling it out, not at Auburn. I mean, those rumors show up every November, especially when they lose to Alabama and Georgia. But, um, you know, this is year two. They, they, From what I was told with some people that are around Auburn, this little coup they tried to pull and, and oust Harson, but – the the level heads prevailed and said, hold on a second, let's give him a second. And that kind of galvanized some respect from those who weren't trying to pull that trigger. And now there's kind of a um a respect for him and like, hey, they did it. They tried to do him wrong there. We got to support this guy. He's our coach. Let's get right. And I think he's kind of rallied a little bit of support. Now you go out there and go one and seven in the league and get dusted, you know, three or four times, things can change pretty quick. But, um, you know, I think that's not better than 50% chance to happen, in my opinion. We'll see. And the last one, of course, is Bryce Young, uh, the reigning Heisman Trophy winner. I, I don't have really any reason to believe that he's going to slow down anytime soon. Oh, man. Do we even have to talk about this? We don't. We, uh, yeah, we really yeah, don't. Kind of, yeah, yeah. Bryce, it's our show. Bryce won the Heisman. They're going to be good again. They're going to win a bunch of games. Okay, That's the kind of Alabama football analysis <laughs> I like. We'll take a time out. We'll come back with the SEC East quarterbacks uh, rooms next on Hunting Hill. Cold down the middle of the day. This is Hunt and Hill. 
Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere playing at luckylandslots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hunting Hill with Hunt Palmer and Jeremy Hill. All right, let's take it to the SEC East for their quarterback situations. This one's not geographical because it's a little bit more difficult over there. But I'm just going to kind of run through it. And I want to start with Anthony Richardson, which I think is is interesting because this is a guy who's been mocked to a lot of first rounds. We saw the early season 80-yard touchdown runs, the crazy athleticism, the strong arm. He played pretty well here in Baton Rouge until he finally turned the ball over, but never really overtook Emory Jones. And it was a huge point of contention between Florida fans and Dan Mullen. And, of course, Dan Mullen saw him every day in practice. But you know, on the field, you were thinking Emory Jones had a ceiling. You want to see what Anthony Richardson can do. And it just took some time for that to materialize. But you know, last year, Richardson, 59% completion, six touchdowns, five picks, kind of uneven throwing the football. The, the athletic ability, the tangible things you can see – are jaw-dropping, but it's just a matter of can he put it together. Are you betting on Anthony Richardson to have a big year this year? Uh, big year. Oh, man, when I'm looking at draft boards, he's uh, like the number two or three quarterback. Yeah. I, I I guess it's some uh, like a Lamar Jackson thing where they're just like, hey, this guy's just extremely athletic. He's 6'4", 240, and he runs like a deer. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that's really it. Because as far as passing the football, right. which I think you really have to do at a high level now in the SEC, maybe you can get away with this 10 years ago. But right now, all, as advanced as these defenses are, I don't think you can get away with that, especially when you're playing the Georgias of the world, the Alabamas of the world. So for Anthony, I think, you know, he, he's a great athlete. Um, I don't know if he's a great quarterback yet. So I'll be watching him this season to see if he can make that leap in the passing game, because if he can't, uh, I think he's got to let people a lot, let a lot of people down with his play because uh, they're really putting him on that pedestal right now. He'll still scare the life out of you because at any point you get out of your lane or your backs are turned because you're in man and somebody you know, is not looking and all of a sudden he's out the back door and it's a serious problem. So that's always a nice backup plan to have uh, if your play breaks down to have a guy who's maybe the fastest guy on the field in some instances. So Anthony Richardson, the quarterback at Florida. Stetson Bennett, the national championship winner, is back for another year at Georgia. 65% last year, only 204 yards per game. I mean, look, they were killing people most of the time, so he was either on the bench or handing off a lot in the second half. But 29 touchdowns, 7 interceptions, always going to look like an intramural quarterback to most people, but efficient <laughs> last year. And you kind of came to his defense uh, earlier this week saying, look, this guy – this guy won a national championship. I don't know why everybody's bashing. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that was exactly my point. To me, uh, anytime you win a national championship, uh, you do it in the fashion he did. I can see if they just went out there and they rushed for 400 yards. He had like three pass attempts, and you know that was the end of the day. But you know he went 17 for 16, two touchdowns, no interceptions in the national championship. Made some big time throw, game winning touchdown pass. You got to respect that guy, man. He led that team to a national championship. Georgia was so thirsty uh, to feel that feeling again. It's been over 30 years. So uh, to do that for the University of Georgia and to not get the credit and the uh, respect that you deserve, I, I think it's a, a little baffling to me. So Stetson, uh, I think coming back to that Georgia team, they're going to be stacked and reloaded again. 
and he's probably going to lead them to another undefeated regular <laughs> season. So if you do that back-to-back seasons, I don't know how you don't get respect. Uh, to me, you got to tip your cap. I know he's not Joe Burrow or you know Peyton Manning or anything like that, but you won a bunch of games in the SEC. To me, that always has to be respected. All right, let's play a game then. You don't enter with Georgia's roster. You enter the season with um, who's the most average team? I can. You enter the season with A and M's roster. Some good players. You're gonna win. You're gonna win the national championship. Probably not. Enter the season with A and M's roster. Would you rather have Stetson Bennett or KJ Jefferson as your quarterback? Like if they both were on AM? Yeah. Um I would probably go with KJ. Um yeah. I'll probably go with KJ. Um I think he's a little more pro style, obviously way bigger kid. I think he can pull it down and run it a little better. But I don't think Stetson's that far behind him. I don't think he's a world's behind him. So if I had to give him grades, I'd say, you know, KJ for an SEC quarterback, I'd say he's probably a B. Stetson's probably a B minus. So he's not, you know, that far behind him. Will Rogers or Stetson Bennett? I'm probably going with Stetson. I, I think Will, he's getting a ton of his yards, just thinking the ball down to the flat. They're yep. running a bunch of drag routes. He's not really pushing the ball down the field. So I saw Stetson push the ball down, down the field against Alabama in the national championship game. So right now for me, I, I'll, I'll take Stetson over Will. Will Levis, Kentucky quarterback, or Stetson Bennett? I'll take Stetson over him. Yep. I, I know a lot of people are very, very high on Will. They think he's you know going to be a really, really great NFL quarterback. I'm not there yet, and I know Kentucky's, you know, they've had a lot of success over the past couple of seasons, but – I'll take Stetson over him. So Levis is next on our list. Uh, last year, he threw for more yards and more touchdowns than Kentucky did in 2019 and 2020 combined, which is kind of jaw-dropping. Um, <laughs> he also led the team in rushing touchdowns with nine. Liam Cohen out the door for them. They bring in Rick Scangarello, uh, who was the 49ers quarterback coach. So um, Cohen was brought in to bring the offense up to speed, and they did that. They were way better throwing the football with Levis, who was a uh, – a transfer and he'll be back for another year and a lot of teams th- a lot of people think he could be a top 30 40 pick in the NFL draft yeah I'm seeing that I'm seeing it I I just you know I don't know if I'm sold on it yet I think if he has a big year then I, it'll be undeniable for him uh, if he has a big season this year I just haven't quite seen enough from Will and his playing style they're running the ball a ton with Rodriguez just watch that LSU game they're running the ball down your throat and you know so I think he reaped a lot of that benefit from that but I'll watch him closely this year. To me, I'm just not sold on him. I'm, I'm not that high on him, but I'll give him one more chance this season to see if he can change my mind. The, the the next guy, I did a lot of reading on because LSU plays this team this year, and he statistically was far better than I realized last year, and that's Hendon Hooker mm-hmm. at Tennessee. He set the Tennessee record for completion percentage at 68% in a season and for passing efficiency in a season at 181.41. He threw 31 touchdowns and three picks. He also ran for 800-plus yards, take out the sacks, it was 616, but over 800 yards rushing as well. I knew Tennessee was going fast. I knew they were scoring a lot of points. I didn't know he was setting records and had 31 touchdowns and three picks. That's no yeah. joke. No, that's amazing. I think for me, I'm very high on him. And I think when we when they first made the switch and made him their quarterback. Oh, uh, yeah. oh my God. <laughs> yeah, I think we were both talking about that last year. Like, yeah, that was a big move from Hypo to switch that because, oh, my, that was bad watching him play quarterback. So, Hendon, uh, I think, you know, they got that identity now. And they got the perfect quarterback for that system 
uh, that they're going to be running. They're going to be running a ton of plays. They're going to spread you out. They're going to keep you on your heels. And I think Hendon's, I think he's due to have a big season this year. I would not be shocked if he goes out there and throws for 4,000 yards and a bunch of touchdowns and they score a ton of points because I think he has the talent. He has the arm talent. And Heifel's going to spread the ball and put that pressure on the defense. So, yeah, I like Hendon a lot. He started Joe Milton. That Pittsburgh game I was watching, <laughs> Milton missed three touchdowns in the first quarter. Three he overthrew. Guys running in the clear. And they kept panning back to Heupel, who was like, oh, my God, what am I supposed to do? And what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to put Hinton Hooker in, and they did, and they played well the rest of the way. Uh, we'll go to uh, some that aren't as uh, headline-grabbing here. Missouri, um, Connor Bazelak transfers out, and they've got now a, tra- a, a competition between Brady Cook and freshman Tyler Macon. Cook is kind of the favorite there. He played in five games last year, completed 80% of a small number of throws through two touchdowns, zero interceptions. I think that boat's leaking oil up there uh, in Columbia, Missouri. I think that um, there's a little bit of juice because they were competitive and then certainly beat LSU coming off a national championship game, but they were not very good last year, and I just don't know if they're going to get a lot better. I think Elijah which has got a chance to be pretty funny at the podium next week as far as winning games. I don't know that that's going to be what they're doing a lot of. Yeah, now I do some thinking. I got to apologize to Auburn. Maybe your quarterback room isn't as bad as I thought. <laughs> that does not sound good at all. It looks like they're going to be set up to lose a lot of games going into next season. And the SEC East, man, it's, it's not forgiven. You're going to have to go against Georgia. They're going to run them off the field. Uh, yeah, it's not looking good for my boy Drinkwitz. Spencer Rattler taking over the reins in Columbia, South Carolina. Luke Doty, who played a little bit last year, is in the running as well. I just got to think if you bring a transfer that high profile and that he's going to be the starter. Certainly, he was benched last year at Oklahoma after being the Heisman, probably favorite, um, yeah. uh, you know, entering the Texas game. Um, you know, that's where he was benched. He gets a breath of fresh air. I think it was a weird place for him to transfer, um, but you know, Shane Beaner got in there. It's not a very talented team, but he's a pretty talented guy. I mean, he was a five-star quarterback who was a freshman starter at Oklahoma. Do you expect him to improve upon the shortcomings of last year where the turnovers got to him? Yeah, to me, South Carolina was a team last year who, who really shocked me. Um, a team that showed a lot of grit and played in a lot. Of, I think they were projected to win, what, three games yep. in conference last year? Uh, so I, I think the way he's going to coach that football team, you got a quarterback who's at least respectable, uh, who at least has arm talent. I think uh, Rattler's biggest issue is his turnovers. Just turn the ball over way too much. And so if he can cut back on those turnover, the arm talents there, there's a reason why people, you know, had him in those Heisman races and had those odds where they were from the win the Heisman. And so uh, I think at South Carolina, it's just going to be tough. You know, now that the eyes are going to be on them, they're not going to, you know, sneak up on people like they did last year. So, yeah, we'll see. We'll see with Spencer. I think the arm talents there, he's just going to have to cut down on turnovers. You want to comment on Mike Wright? Oh, my God. Yeah, the immortal white guy. That's what I was calling him last year. Yeah, I think that's it's Spencer's competition. I don't, I don't think he's going to challenge <laughs> Well, that's perf- That's a perfect answer because I had never heard of Mike Wright earlier. Mike Wright's actually Vanderbilt's quarterback. I never heard of him. I don't have a single stat written out of my notes because Mike Wright is Vanderbilt's oh, Mike quarterback. Mike Wright, not yeah. White. No, okay. yeah, Mike Wright, Vanderbilt's yeah, yeah. starting quarterback. Um, they, Hold on. Let me look this up. I want to make sure that I say this right because this is a number that you can't you can't really get wrong because it's so jarring. It's not surprising, but it is jarring at the same time. Let's see. Vanderbilt has not won a league game in three years. They lost them all last year. They lost them all in 2020, and they won one at the beginning of 21. So they have not won a league game in three years. That is terrible. 
It's not very good. Yeah, no, I guess I got to apologize to two schools now. Mizzou, yeah. Auburn, I apologize. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Vandy takes the cake, man. Anchor down to the bottom of the east. <laughs> Just stay there. That's where they'll be. Uh, when we come back, uh, we'll give you a update on the Open Championship. I'll tell you where Tiger is. It's not good. And I've got a statement to make on the Chicago Cubs. And you would probably say, why would I care what you have to say about the Chicago Cubs? I don't care about the Chicago Cubs. And I would answer, it's got a local flavor to it. We'll do that to end hour number one next. It's Hunt and Hill. 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge with Hunt and Hill. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Bayou Ford. Check out the entire inventory at BayouFord.com. They'll give you all the used, all the new inventory right there at the tip of your fingers because that's how car shopping is done nowadays. Let them customize a vehicle for you if they don't have exactly what you're looking for. That's the way car buying is done nowadays. And we've been telling you about their service all week long. And I want to continue to do that because a lot of you are hitting the road for your summer vacation, taking the kids to camp, going out to visit the grandparents, just taking the car to the beach. You got to have your car up and running and they're going to help you out with that with their road trip ready, complimentary multi-point inspection. It's going to do a brake inspection, battery check, tire thread check. It's a multi-point inspection. And once they figure out if there needs to be something done, when they go through that complimentary inspection, you're going to get 10% off of those repairs. Bayou Ford is a great spot to get your car work done. You say, well, I don't live near Bayou Ford. Well, they've got drivers ready to go. They will come get your car, take it to the dealership. They'll drop you off a loaner. You get on about your day. They do the repairs that are necessary. They bring that car right back. It is road trip ready for your summer vacation. Yeah, and they also have an awesome special going on on a brand new 2021 Ford F-150 Black Widow edition. All the bells and whistle, all blacked out. And you're also getting a 1 million mile powertrain warranty. And there's $10,000 off MSRP on that thing. Gotta love it. The website is buyyouford.com. Buy you Ford, where they're going to do right by you. Hunton Hill with Hunt Palmer and Jeremy Hill. Update from the old course at St. Andrews. The wind is up and the fairways are baked this afternoon. A lot of the good scores coming in the morning wave. Cameron Young, young sensation who was in the mix at the PGA Championship. He finished with a sparkling 8-under 64 to lead the way. Rory McIlroy, two shots back of that. He shot 66 today. Cam Smith. Shot 65. He is at 5-under. Those three lead the way. Big group at 4-under par. Lee Westwood, Victor Hovland, Taylor Gooch. A couple of live guys in there. So, well, as number, world number one, Scotty Scheffler. Ian Poulter shot 3-under. Bryson DeChambeau, 3-under as well. Xander Shoffley, who's been playing great, has won three times very recently. Uh, he is 3-under par. Dustin Johnson at 3-under as well. Looking for Tiger Woods. you got to go way down the list. Tiger is right now very much struggling. He is five over par, and there are only nine guys in the field of 156 worse than Tiger Woods to this point. And some of those are former champions like David Duvall and Mark Calcavecchia. So it's not a good look for Tiger over there 
at the Open Championship. Uh, some other notables, Justin Thomas shot even par today. That was a little bit disappointing for him. Uh, Jordan Spieth and John Rahm both at one under through 11 holes. So going to try to make a birdie or two coming home on the backside. So that is your update from the Open Championship from the old course at St. Andrews. said I wanted to make a statement regarding the Chicago Cubs in this segment. And again, you would probably say, I don't care about the Cubs. Why would you tease a Chicago Cubs announcement? Well, pretty big announcement for me. Um, and it has a local flavor. The Chicago Cubs, because of their grossly incompetent ownership, which is disgustingly cheap and over-leveraged on real estate and trying to buy soccer teams, so they have the tiny payroll that's in there with the Twins and Marlins, and their general manager, who has kind of failed to get anything done in his time in Chicago after Theo Epstein left, are an embarrassment to the sport of baseball right now. They have lost six games in a row. They are 2-8. and eight. There are only three teams in the entire Major League Baseball who are worse than the Chicago Cubs, who should be one of the highest payrolls and best teams in the sport year in and year out, like the other teams in big markets, like the Dodgers, like the Yankees. But they're not. <laughs> they stink. And as we sit here, not even to the All-Star break in July 14th, I'm pulling against the Cubs the rest of the way. <laughs> Why am I doing that? Because I need a better draft pick. Specifically, I need Dylan Cruz. Okay. That's who I need. And if I pick fifth, I'm not getting him. So the Cubs are going to have to drop back behind the Cincinnati Reds. They're close. They're only a game ahead of the Reds, who started like 2-20 and 20 or something, and they've all the way caught up to the Cubs, who are 34-54. and 54. Cubs are one game clear of the Reds. The Nationals are terrible, uh, but the Cubs are only four games back of said Nationals. So I think we can fall back behind them. And then you got to go to the American League, where the only team who has fewer wins than the Cubs is the Oakland Athletics. So, I'm a huge A's fan. I'm a huge Nationals fan. I'm a huge Rebs fan. I'm pulling against the Cubs every step of the way. One, it's going to get me cheaper tickets when I go in three weeks to Wrigley Field. Two, I'm pulling against them because we have to get a better draft pick. I'm trying to get Dylan Cruz. I think he's going to be the first or second pick. <laughs> I've got to get there. we got to make it happen. Dylan Cruz will be in the big leagues in like two seconds. He'll be an all-star and immediately. He's the best hitter I've ever seen at LSU. I'm now pulling against the Cubs daily because i got to get Dylan Cruz. Your thoughts on that as a fan? <laughs> Look, I, I love it. And I'm looking at the draft board now, and I'm seeing a little local flavor here. I'm seeing Dylan Cruz at three, and we're seeing our boy Christian Little at nine. So... The big boys up top, they got a little love for the Tigers down south. But, yeah, I think for your Cubs, that'd be ideal to get a guy like Dylan Cruz. I don't know how he's not number one on this board. I don't think Jacob Gonzalez is better than him. Got Brock Wilkin from Wake Forest. Dylan should be number one on this list, man. I'm sorry. I just got to say that. Well, Cubs got to lose more. And they're probably going to trade Wilson Contreras. They're probably going to trade Ian Happ. Kyle Hendricks is out with a shoulder injury. Marcus Stroman hadn't pitched in forever. They got a chance to be the worst team in baseball, which is the ownership's fault. They should be grossly embarrassed every time the team takes the field because they're incompetent. And that's what I have to say about that. Fast moving hour number one here. We talked a lot of football, went through every SEC quarterback position. You missed it, on-demand, 1045ESPN.com, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, all that good stuff. Hour number two is coming at you. Still a lot of football to get to, and we'll toss the lead to Jeremy Hill at the top of hour number two. Come back with us, Thursday edition of Hunting Hill. This is Hunt and Hill on 104.5 ESPN Baton Rouge.